Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so it's a brand new year, gentlemen, and if relationship goals aren't at the top of your resolution list, guess what? They should be. Now, starting this year off with a romantic gift from our friends at 1-800-Flowers.com, well, that's going to be the best decision that you make all year. Now, 1-800-Flowers has great deals on elegant and stunning bouquets. And right now, when you order a dozen multicolored roses for just $29.99, well, 1-800-Flowers will give you another dozen plus a vase absolutely free. And that's 50% off the original price. Now, every bouquet is backed by 1-800-Flowers 100% smile guarantee. If your loved one has any issue, 1-800-Flowers will always make it right. So to order a dozen multicolored roses, get a free extra dozen and a vase for just $29.99 to make the women in your life so happy. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, enter the promo code HannityPod. 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio microphone and put in the code HannityPod. Hurry, this offer ends soon. All right, we've got a ton of news. We're at our nation's capital today and a more shock and awe is really the best way to describe it. And Donald Trump is now addressing the Department of Homeland Security on a lot of the measures. Uh, He's been speaking for a while, so we're only going to just dip into it quickly here. And I will summarize all of this for you. But the bottom line is he is moving at the speed of light on the promises that he made in the campaign, which, frankly, is shocking. A very abusively biased alt-left radical media that want to focus in on poor Baron Trump and pick on him or they want to focus on, well, Donald Trump says they're voter fraud. You need to prove it, ignoring all the evidence that already exists, which we'll get to, and uh, focus on crowd size. Meanwhile, the earth is literally shifting underneath their feet, and they can't even see the obvious, which is right before their nose. Let's just dip in quick here as the president speaks to the Department of Homeland Security. For too long, your officers had agents haven't been allowed to properly do their jobs. You know that, right? Do you know that? Absolutely. 
But that's all about to change. And I'm very happy about it, and you're very happy about it. From here on out, I'm asking all of you to enforce the laws of the United States of America. They will be enforced and enforced strongly. Because people are surprised to hear that we do not need new laws. We will work within the existing system and framework. We are going to restore the rule of law in the United States. Before we go any further, I want to recognize the ICE and Border Patrol officers in this room today and to honor their service, and not just because they unanimously endorsed me for president. That helps, but that's not the only reason. I also want to acknowledge two individuals in the audience who will play a very, very important role going forward. I'd like to recognize Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council, and Chris right, Let me Crane, jump in different. here for you because this is pretty much the end. He started out by praising uh, uh, General Kelly, and um, he went on to talk about enforcing the laws and how we need, we do not need new laws that the rule of law that currently exists is just going to be enforced for the first time, recognizing the ICE and Border Patrol agents, and you're about to be very, very busy doing your job, he goes on to say, and the steps we take starting right now will make both our countries safer, talking about Mexico and the United States. And then he went in to discuss his executive orders for earlier today and talked about building the wall, deporting criminal uh, illegals with criminal records, no more catch and release, sanctuary cities are going to be cracked down on. But let me give you the official uh, issue as it relates to the executive orders today of the president, that he is, number one, he's asking for a major investigation into voter fraud. He will be making his Supreme Court pick on Thursday of next week. On refugees, he has issued an executive order. He's now done speaking, by the way, that will ban visas from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan and Yemen. He has instructed the State Department to stop issuing visas from those countries. His executive order will halt the entire refugee program so that we can have a full examination for 120 days. The ban on refugees would not apply to religious minorities that are escaping persecution. I would assume he's talking about both Christian and Muslim and Christian genocide that we are one of the few shows to have discussed in detail on this program. Now, as a relate, by the way, all of this is what he promised. There should not be a surprise. None of this. The only thing that's happening here is you've got a president that is an executive that made promises and is going to work rolling up his sleeves and doing what he said he would do. And I'll tell you this. To the extent that he keeps doing this and the media is fixated on calling him a liar every 24 seconds, they have no idea of the magnitude of work that is getting done. It's almost laughable. And I'll get into that voter fraud issue in a second and coming up in the bottom of the half hour. On immigration, Donald Trump has ordered that and directed that the Department of Homeland Security begin to build the border wall. Now, by the way, he does not need congressional approval to build the border wall because uh, all he is going to do 
is enforce the 2006 law that was passed by Democrats, including Barack Obama, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, which authorized the construction of 700 miles of fencing along the southern border, as well as additional lights, cameras, sensors to enhance security. He further, by the way, that since the law was never actually repealed, the federal government is still authorized to build the substantial wall on the border. So he's like, good, let's get it done now. And he's using, you know, the law that currently exists to get it done, which makes it even better. He's also, through his executive order, he's called for an increase of 5,000, the number of Border Control agents. He has also uh, tripled the number of ICE deportation officers. His executive order it will also target sanctuary cities. He has uh, His order will create a victim's advocacy office for victims of crimes by illegal immigrants. I did a whole hour with Donald Trump during the campaign with those that lost their family members that were killed by illegal immigrants. His executive order requires captured illegal immigrants to remain in custody until deportation. He is expected to meet, by the way, with the parents of children killed by illegal immigrants, probably some of which I have met, on the issue of the immigration wall. Again, this was authorized in 2006, 702 miles along the U.S.-Mexico border. More than $7 billion has been spent to build 652 miles of primary border fencing along the wall. That's good. That gives us a head start. They never finished it because that's the way government kind of works. There is uh, 36 miles of double-layered fencing along the U.S.-Mexican border. That's nothing. All they do is walk the 36 miles around it. And fencing exists uh, only roughly on one-third of the 1,933-mile-long U.S. border. The 2005 legislation allows the Department of Homeland Security to waive legal requirements that may impact border wall construction. Too bad Gavin Newsom. Hope you're paying attention to that aspect because you thought you'd be able to stop it. Completing a border wall is estimated to cost between 12 and 38 billion. And the president has reiterated that, in fact, Mexico is going to pay for it. And, of course, he has upcoming meetings with the president of Mexico, the prime minister of Canada, the prime minister of Great Britain tomorrow. And then the prime minister of Israel is coming fairly shortly. 17,000 border agents patrolling the southwest border. There'll be 5,000 more. The number of border patrol agents now is down 8.5% from fiscal year 2013. He's basically bringing it back up to the old levels, considering the last president wouldn't enforce the laws of the land. On top of that, he is uh, other orders today. He's uh, moving forward, considering an executive order to keep Gitmo open. And Trump has ordered the EPA to delete the global warming webpage. Uh, we also have a, a report out today. This was on Breitbart. That General Mad Dog Mattis, the Department of uh, the Defense Secretary, is drawing up attack plans designed to destroy ISIS. That is happening simultaneously as the president now works to fix the broken economy. Do you realize what's happening here? Do you realize that a bureaucracy that moves at a snail's pace is now pivoted? And, you know, I was talking to John Roberts. He was actually on a program talking to him and. Um, uh, about about what he has seen in past presidencies. He says never seen anything like this. He said on TV yesterday in his life, never, in terms of a president actually moving. An executive order allowing Health and Human Services to stop enforcing the financially burdensome Obama re- care regulations. An attempt and a beginning of a process to end 75% of burdensome regulations on business. 
He's also moving to seek prompt repeal and replacement of Obamacare. And uh, he signed a waiver allowing General Mattis to serve as defense secretary. And he took action to freeze new and pending regulations. And then, of course, the Senate confirmed Mattis. And then they confirmed John Kelly as Secretary of Homeland Security. And then President Trump spoke to the president, the prime minister of Canada. And then President Trump, you know, stopped at uh, the inaugural prayer service, CIA headquarters. He spoke to the CIA in the lobby. There were, let's see, Democrats are playing politics, delaying Pompeo's uh, nomination. That's not going to work. All the meetings with the heads of state that are that are now headed. I mean, it's just one thing after another. Now, why is this immigration issue so important? Because it's the heart of our homeland security. It's the heart of protecting our homeland. What is the first job of a president? Commander in chief. And if our borders are open because a family wants to cross over and get a job, even though there are 95 million Americans out of the labor force, well, that's fine. They can come over. But so, too, can ISIS and Al Qaeda and radical Islamic terrorists. And the fact that we don't have control of our borders is unbelievable. Anyway, catch and release is going to be eliminated. You know, the Center for Immigration Studies pointed out more than 870,000 aliens that are on the docket that have been ordered to remove but remain in this country in defiance of the law. Forget about DACA for a second. ICE charged in 2013 uh, only 195,000 or only 25 percent of the nearly one million deportable aliens that they encountered. They were ordered not to do their job. ICE released, get this, 68,000 criminal aliens in 2013. Well, that's 35% of the criminal aliens encountered by officers. Why would you release people that not only disobeyed our laws and didn't respect our sovereignty coming into the country, but then, in fact, committed crimes in the country? And, of course, we have all the numbers that I gave you when I went down to the border with Governor Rick Perry at the time. Again, I've been down there at least a dozen times. And what, about, what do we learn? 642,000 crimes committed against Texans alone in a seven-year period of time, including some horrific murders and kidnappings, a lot of drugs being brought into the country. So anyway, the executive order is build the wall. Build the wall, mend the walls, 702 miles, a good start. And some of it will be double-layered f- fencing. The costs, well, we'll see what happens when they renegotiate NAFTA. But at the end of the day, you know, what do we have? We have a president that has made promises specifically to you, the American people. And unlike the last president, you know, one of the things I like about what he's doing, he's very transparent about it. Signs an executive order, holds it up for the cameras and says, see, I did it and tells you what it is. When did Obama ever tell us about the executive actions that he's doing? You know, and I I will tell you, you are living under incredibly you know, difficult times in terms of getting information in this country. When you have a a news media that is fixated on the superfluous, nonsensical, and ignoring the major shift and promise-keeping that's going on right before their very eyes. We'll get to all of that and much more when we come back. Bringing jobs back to America and getting America back to work. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All 
All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and I'm actually fairly entertained by a news media that is focused. Yeah, I'll give you one example. The Clinton News Network just wants to call Donald Trump a liar every day. Now, did they care about Hillary Clinton's lies during the campaign? Did they ever call her a liar? No. They ever call Obama a liar? No. They ever challenge Obama's promise on keeping your doctor, your plan, and and paying $2,500? No, they didn't do any of that. We have a massive informational crisis in the country. You have a media that is colluded with a political party, their biggest contributor, advancing an agenda and being totally and completely and utterly dishonest with the American people. They're not straightforward. They're not upfront at all with who they are, what they're doing, and they treat they try and create this illusion that they are reporting the news when they are nothing but advocates in every way. By the way, ABC News apologized for the fake news hit piece on Sean Spicer. Anyway, they apologized after the Monday night edition of Nightline ended a quote uh, from former George W. Bush press secretary Ari Fleischer in a way that made it appear that he was more critical of the current White House press secretary, Jordan Spicer, than he was. Well, just like saying that they removed the Martin Luther King bust from the Oval Office. Well, I happened to be in there yesterday, meaning the Oval Office, and the bust is there, and it never left. And we'll have our interview with President Trump tomorrow. Now, what's so amazing about what's happening here is that we're so used to bureaucrats, including Republicans, never getting anything done. But as I pointed out before Trump was even inaugurated, the amazing thing with the laws that they're, as they're currently configured, so much of the Trump agenda on energy independence, on building this wall, on everything that he fought and stood for, probably even education, you know, even issues involving the 10 percent reduction in spending, 20 percent reduction in the government labor force can happen without any legislation needed whatsoever. Talking to lawyers that are telling me that there are provisions even within the Obamacare law that could actually void, null and void most of Obamacare. And so we've got a political earthquake happening, and the media is fixated on the Martin Luther King bus lie, the size of crowd lie, battling and calling Trump a liar that voter fraud exists, which I'll get to in the next half hour, calling that a lie and attacking Baron Trump, a 10-year-old kid, because they cannot accept that their side lost, and it was their side. They had a side from the very beginning. From our nation's capital, we'll continue. So like many of you, I used to suffer from insomnia no matter what I did. I just couldn't get a perfect night's sleep. Well, then I met Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. He got me fitted for my very own MyPillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962. Use the promo code Sean to take advantage of Mike's two-for-one offer, now, MyPillow is made right here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And by the way, you can even wash it and dry it. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 
1962 promo code Sean to get Mike's special two for one offer. Education has taught you guys that you're following the controlled media, that whatever they do, de- whoever they demonize, you just automatically follow. And that's what education does for you. Then we need to change it because you shouldn't be like that. You should be free thinking that you should be able to see right from wrong. You don't because you're following whoever gets, someone gets on TV and says, this is so, and then you just follow it. That's not using your head. That's not being smart. People, wake up. Be smart. Okay? You want to be logical. You want to be smart. Be smart. But don't follow all this nonsense just because. Just because. Because you want to be. There's so many people that supported Trump, but they were afraid to openly support him. But you know when they supported him? In the voting booth. And that's what, what, what all of you people didn't understand. A lot of people supported Trump, but they were afraid. They're even your friends. But they were afraid to tell you they supported him. And you know what? When they went to the voting booth, they voted for him. And that's where you got. That's where all of you people right now, all of you people are now shocked because you couldn't believe that he could be all right that is that is big joe we're going to get to that later in the program that's a viral video now that has gone on youtube he was at the women's march over the weekend and just took them all on and uh wow that was pretty powerful we'll get to that pat buchanan coming up at the top of the hour as we talk about the shock and awe that has hit the city where we broadcast from today our nation's capital and washington dc Also, we have a debate coming up on the president's executive order from earlier today, uh, banning visas from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. We'll be debating that today. We'll be debating what Big Joe said and so much more. So many big issues. So I just spent the last half hour going over all of these executive orders, all of these changes, what has been a phenomenal five days, shock and awe, you know, unprecedented. And and this is what's amazing about this. What's fascinating to me about this. The media would rather have is focusing more on what the crowd size at the inauguration. Well, because there was some dishonest reporting by some people. They took a picture before Donald Trump ever gave his inaugural speech. And Donald Trump just took issue with it. Now, well, Kellyanne Conway said there are alternative facts. There's only one fact. There's only one truth. This is what they're they're whining about, and this is what they're complaining about. And then, of course, you could take, you know, the next step. Well, Donald Trump talks about voter fraud. You know, it's sad that the White House had to ask the media to stop reporting on 10-year-old Baron Trump and the horrific, horrible things and vicious things that have been said about him. Now, I'm going to speak from personal experience. And I think they should stop talking about him. I never talked about Chelsea Clinton, except when she went into the political arena. I never said anything bad about uh, Barack and Michelle's daughters. They seem like great kids. And I think the children, and I've said this many, many times before, the children, especially young children of politicians, leave them alone. And look, I've met Baron Trump. This kid is an awesome kid. He's a great kid. He's a 10-year-old kid. Leave him alone. You want to go after Don Jr., Don can fight back. You want to go after Eric, Eric can fight back. Really, you got to go after the kids or the president because you don't like the president, and that's how desperate you are? You know, so Donald Trump today, you know, goes out and he says a couple of things. Number one, you can't clean up this mess that is going on in Chicago. I'll clean it up for you because we can't have four 
100,000 people dying every eight years like we have had. We can't. And now the media is freaking out. Donald Trump says there's voter fraud. There's no evidence of that. Well, they act as though this is something new that Donald Trump said. I actually went back, and I'm going to play for you a little bit of his speech that he gave at Gettysburg. We went over it at the time where he quoted the Pew Organization, 24 million voter registrations in the U.S. invalid or significantly inaccurate. Listen to what he says here. I've seen the system up close and personal for many years. I've been a major part of it. I know how the game works in Washington and on Wall Street. And I know how they've rigged the rules of the game against everyday Americans. The system is totally rigged and broken. First, the issue of voter fraud. According to Pew, there are 24 million voter registrations in the United States that are either invalid or significantly inaccurate. And when I say that, there are such inaccuracies, it's unbelievable. 1.8 million dead people are registered to vote. And some of them are voting. I wonder how that happens. 2.8 million people are registered in more than one state. These are numbers, folks. These are numbers. 14% of non-citizens are registered to vote. The system is also rigged because Hillary Clinton should have been precluded from running for the presidency of the United States. So he said in the Gettysburg Address that, you know, on the issue of voter fraud, this is not new for him. It's not new for our country. This is not a surprise. And if the media that never vetted Hillary Clinton, that never vetted Obama, that never went after, never, they never called out all the lies that Obama told the American people. Now, all of a sudden, they have a fidelity to the truth that never existed before. OK, the system is rigged. The system is broken on the issue of voter fraud. There are 24 million voters voter registrations in the U.S. that are invalid, again, according to Pew, not according to Hannity, that are invalid or significantly inaccurate. And these inaccuracies are real. You have 1.8 million dead people registered to vote, and some of them are actually voting. So is that voter fraud or not voter fraud? How does that happen? 2.8 million people registered in more than one state. Those are real numbers, real people, real voting fraud. Real corruption that has existed for a long time. You've got some estimates that 14 percent of non-citizens are registered to vote. You know, Hillary Clinton is, you know, in in many senses, the left has been counting on this. Now, let me take you back, for example. There is an actual study that claimed three million illegal votes were cast in 2016. And, you know, the press claims to have debunked the study, uh, though they don't really explain how. And I'm sure that somebody will do a thorough analysis sooner than later. But... I think it's worth mentioning, and you could do your own research and come to your own conclusions here, if, uh, you know, uh, where did this 3 million illegal vote figure come from? Well, the New American reported in November of 2016 that an organization formed in 1996 to publicize computerized voter fraud and which continues to monitor election results to detect voter fraud has issued a statement that it has uncovered evidence of more than 3 million people who are not U.S. citizens casting votes 
in past presidential election in the past presidential election. They quote Greg Phillips, spokesman for VoteFraud.org, and that organization tweeting that after completing an analysis of a database of 180 million voter registrations that they verified more than 3 million votes cast by non-citizens. Now, I can't vouch for this, but there are studies out there that say this. And what Donald Trump said is, we're going to investigate it so that our elections in the future hopefully will be fair, honest, and free. And it, does, it shouldn't surprise anybody that voter fraud was, was a big issue back in 1960 in Illinois and JFK. And there are scholars that still believe Richard Nixon won Illinois back in 1960. So, you know, he tweeted that voterfraud.org is joining with uh, another vote group. This is Catherine uh, Engelberg's group, True to the Vote, to initiate legal action against those responsible that might be involved in fraudulent voting. And if I recall correctly, True to the Vote was one of the conservative groups, I know for a fact, that was persecuted, like other Tea Party groups, by the Obama IRS. And virtually all of the votes cast by three million illegal immigrants, they say, are, are likely to have been for Hillary Clinton, which means that maybe the popular vote is in question. But, you know, again, it's all right. We'll talk about the crowd size. We'll talk about Donald Trump's tweeting. We'll talk about all of the the issues that they don't like, and they, they're obsessed at CNN with calling President Trump a liar, something they'd never do to Obama. And meanwhile, the entire country is, and the ground is shifting underneath their feet, and they're too dumb and they're too stupid to see what's going on. And they don't really care what's going on. So Trump has promised, again, I don't have all the information. I don't have, I've never investigated personally voter fraud, except interviewing people like Engelbrecht and, and John Fund and other people over the years. And I'm pretty convinced that they're right after they've done their investigative work. But President Trump announced that he's asking for a major investigation into alleged nationwide voter fraud. And uh, so he's saying he wants the investigation. What's wrong with that investigation? Don't we want free, fair elections, all the votes to be counted? I'm quoting liberals here. There was a story by Jim Hoft and Gateway Pundit uh, about potential voter fraud in Michigan. And remember when Jill Stein began the Michigan recount there? Well, at that point, they may have unintentionally exposed major, major voter fraud in Detroit because election officials in Michigan found that 37 percent of the precincts in Detroit, well, they ended up tabulating more ballots than the number of voters tallied by workers in the poll books. Hillary Clinton, for example, won Wayne County. She beat Donald Trump there 67 to 30 percent. State officials are planning to examine about 20 Detroit precincts where ballot discrepancies occur and voting machines. And get this, in more than a third of all Detroit precincts registered more votes than they should have during this presidential election. More votes than people voting. How did that happen? Whoopsie daisy. I'm sure there's no corruption involved. I'm sure no dead people voted. Anyway, the detailed reports from the office of Wayne County Clerk Kathy Garrett showed optical scanners of at 248 of the city's 662 precincts, or 37%, ended up tabulating more ballots than the number of voters tallied in workers by workers in the poll books. These irregularities in Detroit have spurred plans for an audit by the Michigan Secretary of State, and I don't know what the outcome of that eventually is going to be. But uh, the problems were worse in the Detroit area, where discrepancies met officials couldn't recount the votes, and 392 precincts are nearly 60%. They can't even recount them because the numbers don't add up. Somebody's messing around with the vote. 
And, of course, we had what happened at the Philly polling place back in, what, 2008, and you had the new Black Panther Party, and they were out there with their big, you know, batons, and they were ready to intimidate anybody and everybody that got in their way. But we're not going to focus in on the uh, profound and deep things that happened that Donald Trump is now doing. We're not going to talk about the fact that the wall's going to be built. We're not going to talk about how it, the promises that he has made or the promises that he's keeping or the vetting of refugees. Uncovering evil and defending the truth. You're on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, welcome back, Sean Hannity. So, so the media is fixated, focused on crowd size. They are, they are fixated and focused and saying Donald Trump is lying about this and about that and about voter fraud. Well, maybe if they did their job, maybe they would discover the truth that we are telling you and all these studies that they have never even looked into themselves. You know, why focus in on, okay, is it good or bad for America to do the things that Donald Trump is now accomplished in just the last number of days. Keystone Pipeline, is that going to really create 28,000 jobs? The Dakota Pipeline, what's that going to do? Getting rid of 75% of regulations, what's that going to do for the country? Is it important that we vet refugees that come from nations like Syria, Iraq, Iran, and Libya, and Somalia, and Sudan, and Yemen? Is that a good thing for the country to do? Is it a good thing for the president to build the wall? Have they talked about the importance that Trump won't need congressional approval to build the wall? Is, uh, is it important that Trump wants to keep Gitmo open? Is it important that he's not obsessed with global warming like his predecessor? There's so much fertile ground here. And if they really want to go back and become Woodward and Bernstein, well, maybe they can just go after the fact that Hillary Clinton broke at least 16 laws and that if anybody else had done it, they probably would have been prosecuted and put to jail, put in jail. You know, it's the, the, this is now beyond the journalism being dead. Dead, buried, gone, and frankly, they're lazy, they're one-sided, abusively biased, and useless to you, the consumer. And they just continue to refuse to do their job, which is report the news of the day. Report on the things that impact your life. They want to get into petty squabbles about crowd size. They want to get into petty squabbles suggesting the president's a liar when it's just the fact that voter fraud does exist. And we ought to do something about it. And you think that they, the great, the great seekers of truth that they are, would want to do it themselves and discover, hey, we can fix this and this is good for our country. But they don't want to do that either. They have no desire to do that. You know, maybe they'd want to compare the shock and awe that and the speed at which this president is working to actually fulfill the very agenda that he ran on. They don't want to do that either because they've got their own agenda and their agenda is to bring him down. Their agenda at the end of the day is to destroy him. Their agenda is to do everything possible to make sure he is not successful. That's what the liberal media is up to. All right, we'll get uh, Patrick Buchanan's take on the shock and awe in the city of Washington, D.C. Later on, oh, you're going to hear from Big Joe later. Wait till you hear this. He confronted women at the Women's March. And also, we've got some national security issues, especially with the executive orders today by the president. We'll get into that and more. And your calls, 800-941-SEAN. The Sean Hannity Show from our nation's capital continues. You talked about Mexico. How quickly could you build a wall? How do you make them pay for the wall, as you said? So easy. 
Will a politician be able to do it? Absolutely not. You know, it's funny. I, I watch some of the shows, and including your show, and I watch these guys say, oh, you can't get them to pay for them. We give them tens of billions of dollars a year. They are ripping us left and right. Their leaders are so much smarter than our leaders, Sean. They are ripping us left and right. The wall is peanuts. It's peanuts. It's peanuts. And I will get Mexico, whether it's a tariff or whether they just give us the money. Sean, they need us so badly. And I'll be friends with Mexico. I'm going to have a great relationship with Mexico. We have a bad relationship with Mexico, and they're an abuser. China's an abuser. By the way, Every country is an abuser because we have very stupid people representing us. They're incompetent. So through a tariff, whatever it means necessary, yeah, you're going to say if you want to do business with the U.S., you want to do business, you're going to help us with this. You know how easy that is? They'll probably just give us the money. But then I watch politicians get on because it's not their thing, Sean. I watch politicians come on. Can you imagine, Sean, he's saying Mexico's going to pay? They'll never pay. And I'm saying that's like 100%. That's not like 98%. Sean. It's 100% they're going to pay. And if they don't pay, we'll charge them a little tariff. It'll be paid. All right. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show from Washington, D.C., 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program. Now, that was my interview with Donald Trump. That was back in August. A more shocking awe on, what is it, day five or day five now of the Trump presidency here. Today, earlier, an executive order directing the Department of Homeland Security to build the border wall. Donald Trump's executive order calls for an increase of 5,000 border control agents. The Trump executive order will triple the number of ICE deportation officers. The Trump executive order will target sanctuary cities. The Trump executive order will create a victim's advocacy office for victims of crimes by illegal immigrants. The executive order requires captured illegal immigrants to remain in custody until deportation. President Trump is expected to meet with the parents of children killed by illegal immigrants, and that's only part of his day. Now, on the issue of refugees, the Trump executive order bans visas from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. It also instructs the State Department to stop issuing visas to people from seven countries. It will halt the entire refugee program for 120 days. It will ban refugees. It would not apply a to religious minorities escaping persecution. And if you look at, for example, in 2016 alone, 11,332 Iraqi refugees were admitted to the U.S., 4,152 from Iran, 10,786 from Somalia, 1,500 from Sudan, and others from Yemen. Joining us now to uh, weigh in on the shock and awe in Washington, a guy who's been around the block a couple of times himself, even worked in the Reagan and the Nixon administration, Patrick J. Buchanan. How are you, sir? Doing fine, Sean. Looks like we're getting a little bit of action, doesn't it? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, what's funny is I noticed the media, all they want to talk about is the crowd size at the inauguration, and they want to call the president a liar and dishonest on pretty much everything that they can do, and they're at war with Trump personally. And meanwhile, while that distraction is going on, the rest of us are watching a president move at the speed of light, which, frankly, it's refreshing to see somebody keep their promises. Well, it's not only refreshing, it's, it's rather exciting, quite frankly. It looks as though the Trump folks really did line up the things they were going to do on a lot of major issues. We saw the pipelines this morning. You've just described the wall. You've described what's going to happen with regard to the refugees and the immigration policy. It looks like, I mean, they had every all their ducks in a row, and they really moved with energy 
And uh, I think it's a terrific beginning, Sean, and I agree with you. Look, let the, if the media wants to go over and find the 5 million or 3 million illegal aliens, let them go looking for them and just keep the eyes on the prize. I would urge the Trump folks, but, uh, you know, I had, do not recall a presidency which has moved so expeditiously and so strongly in its first week, and I think it's a very healthy sign, and I hope they're lined up for more action in the second and third weeks. You know, isn't it amazing? I mean, during his inaugural speech, which Chuck Todd said was divisive, and he insulted all the other people that were there watching, and I'm thinking, well, I view the inaugural speech totally differently, that everything he said he would run on, that this is about we the people and about the forgotten man and about law and order and about all the things that he ran on, that he's reiterating that these were not just words, but they were promises, and he had criticized the all-talk, no-action people for all these years. I, I find this extraordinarily refreshing. I did, and there's no question that it was what Donald Trump was saying was, look, I came here to confront this establishment, which is responsible for a lot of the things that have gone wrong in this country, and I'm going to keep my word, and, uh, and we're going to, you're going to look out for the folks who have been forgotten, and in, you know, in foreign policy, we're going to stay out of these wars. We're going to put our own country first. I mean, what are they, who and what do people think we ought to put first but the American people and the American nation? You know, it's more than that. You know, Pat, I spent an entire year, and I won't reiterate all my statistics. You heard me say them to you many times. I said it on TV every day, and I said it on, on radio every day about millions in poverty on food stamps out of the labor force and a 51-year low of, of people owning their homes, which is the quintessential American dream. Um, so if these efforts, you know, I would argue this. Let me ask you this question, because you see presidencies through the prism of history. If Donald Trump fulfills his promises on lowering the corporate tax rate, bringing in trillions through repatriation. We'll know next week, I think either Tuesday or Thursday, he announced he will announce Antonin Scalia's replacement. He's promised an originalist. He's promised to build the wall. He's moving on that. He's promised to vet refugees. He's moving on that. The economy is moving on, uh, ending burdensome regulation. He wants to get rid of 75 plus percent. Well, that's going to unleash energy independence in this country. Isn't, won't his success be a direct correlation to promises kept? It will not only be uh, promises kept, you will have a new dramatic presidency, and the changes he will make in the country will have been rivaled only by those who made him on the other side, Franklin Roosevelt. What Donald Trump appears to be doing and is driving toward basically a new national independence and sovereignty where Americans are economically independent as well as politically independent. And he is also, there's a conservative Reaganite half to this whole program of, you know, energizing the private sector by unleashing private enterprise in this country, deregulating to the degree that we can. And the also what you mentioned is the tariffs. If he can, if he can impose, I think a rising tariff. I don't go for a total projection, uh, protectionist tariff, but to raise revenues, to cut taxes on small businesses, and as you said, repatriate those funds and get folks investing and building in the United States. Over time, we can rebuild the independent national country we had and that we'd lost in this globalized era. And on top of all of that, look what else he's done. He's invited in the prime minister of Great Britain, and he's talking about bilateral negotiations on trade, which will help them as they, they finish their, their Brexit exit. Um, and similarly, 
He's invited the prime minister of Canada, the prime minister of Mexico to renegotiate NAFTA. And similarly, now he's reaching out to the prime minister of Israel and bringing him and trying to repair the relationship that was so damaged under Obama. Take Brexit. The Brits have pulled out of basically are going to be pulling out of Europe, going to be pulling out from under Brussels. And I do agree, and when you have economies that are as advanced as both Britain and the United States, and that are intertwined, and where we have, we have cultural agreements, and we're very close to them, you get the old bilateral trade agreements between two countries that we used to do, it seems to me exactly proper. And I think I would hope the president would reach out to the prime minister of Great Britain you know, and say, look, we've been there in the 20th century, we were there in 1917, and we were there in 1941, and we're with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing, too, to watch the media. Have you ever seen a media more hostile towards a president <laughs> than they are towards this one? Yes, I, I mean, have. It's... <laughs> well, okay. No, I was, be... no, but you're right. Let me say this about President Trump. Whatever you say about him, he did bring up off a victory that's been unrivaled in terms of its shock since that of Harry Truman over Dewey. And he did take the worst abuse and beating day in and day out of any presidential candidate in my lifetime, certainly including even Richard Nixon in 1960 or in 1968. And what he is getting now is already almost from the national media like what Nixon was getting during Watergate when he had stumbled. And, uh, but Donald Trump is getting it already. But it seems that their goal is, you know, and I go back to where they're focused. I mean, from, from the day he was elected, then it became about the recount. Then it became somehow it evolved into the Russians and influence. And, and even though all the evidence, none of the evidence proved any of this, then it became the breathless reporting about, forgive me, Golden Shower Gate in this dossier that apparently was leaked by BuzzFeed, which had never been corroborated by anybody then it then it leaks into oh what's the size of the inauguration let's let's fixate and let's focus on that and let's focus in on donald trump suggests there's voter fraud well there's tons of evidence as i've been mentioning today that there's voter fraud out there and they're acting as though well this doesn't exist we know it exists i went over all the numbers in the last hour you know let me say this sean what the the reason the media and this city are reacting as they are is that the election of 2016 was an utter repudiation of their leadership or lack of leadership in this country that has left us in in the situation we're in today and the what the country was saying was we are through with you people you are you failed you know what uh, cromwell said to the long parliament you have sat here too long for any good you have done here in the name of God go. And here they are endorsing Donald Trump, who is someone they loathe and despise. So the reactions in that sense are normal. They're going to have to try to demonstrate any way they can think of that he is not legitimate, that somehow it was all stolen, it was taken away, and they were uh, they still remain really respected and revered by the American people. By the way, what do you make? Go ahead, finish. No, when you take a look at the the decline in the... Look, when, when we went after the media under Agnew, we did it defensively. You know, we'd spent the first year and we turned around because we just had to fight for our lives then. But this media, quite frankly, they're down to 14% now. They really, their credibility is shot. It was not shot when it was they were battling under Nixon until we got into that war and got going. You know, all right, stay right there. I want to ask you a question about the Republican Party when we get back. Patrick J. Buchanan is with us. We continue from our nation's capital. Our toll-free telephone number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Some very disturbing reports as it relates to 
the Muslim Brotherhood and radical Islamic terror as Donald Trump is now trying to secure our border and vet refugees and create a a safer homeland. Uh, There are some issues we need to go over with Rich Higgins and some others. That's coming up and uh, much more. Fighting the Trump-hating liberal media one day at a time. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., you know, Pat, I want to go back to the election. And here I am every day on this program, and the Wall Street Journal is attacking me, and National Review is attacking me, and the the elitist establishment is attacking me. And, you know, Jeb Bush is saying he's never going to build that wall. And and one so-called intellectual conservative after another says he's not going to appoint an originalist. He's not going to be able to do any of the things he says. Um. It looks like they were not only wrong, but spectacularly so. Thoughts? I, first, I agree with you. First, I think you did a great job during that campaign, Sean. You were really out there doing battle and under fire <laughs> along with Trump. Hey, Pat, with all due respect, I, I, learned, I learned this from you. Pat, they had my obituary written 50 different ways. <laughs> um, but... But you know what? I, I fought for what I believed, and I also have known this man for a long time. Well, Jim, he, he you does... were, um, and was, you were, clearly you showed it was authentic, it was passionate, it was genuine. You were fighting, and you were in battles with all the Republicans. But let me say this, Sean. I do agree, now that the election is over, that, you know, again, I go back, and I know Nixon's a, supposedly a discredited figure. But the idea was once he got in and won, we had the Goldwater folks with us, and you got Nixon with us. Then you tried to peel off the conservative Democrats north and south, to put together a great coalition. And I would urge the president, look, I know these folks in, uh, in, in the Republican Party, especially in the establishment, et cetera, they were all on your case. But now, if you're going to put together a coalition that's going to last for a decade, I think we've got to make sure that we don't make any unnecessary enemies in the party. But Trump sets the, you know, sets the guide. Here's where we're going. We're going to march there. We agree on some things, on taxes and things like that. On the wall, you may not agree, but I'm taking the lead here. But keep it the whole thing together because we got, we got both houses. We got the whole country now. And if you hold it together, you can, you can draw in people who want action and who don't want to sit there and listen to all this nonsense from the mainstream media. What do you think? I only have 30 seconds left. All those people that were wrong, what are your thoughts about their future? The, all the folks who were wrong, I think, you, you, I think, you know, Martin Luther King, I've used his line before, keep your eyes on the prize and move on. They were wrong. If they won't admit it, so what? But go ahead and do what he's doing now. Act, act, act and pay no attention to a lot of the carping and the criticism. Just get the job done. You know, to me, and tell me if you agree with this, I believe every agenda item, every promise kept, that'll be a direct correlation. Rasmussen now has him at a 50% job approval rating. Pretty amazing dr- jump in less than a week in the presidency. You, know, you see I all think, these... I think, yeah, Sean, that the very fact people are picking up the newspapers, you see two and three stories on the front page, in addition to, you know, talking about the illegal aliens voting, you see he did this on the pipeline, he's doing this on immigration, he's doing this on the wall, he's done this already, TPP is gone. 
I think the idea of action, the idea of taking decisions and moving, I think will impress people more than anything. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Pat, it's going to be a fascinating four years. <laughs> watching watching the media bubble and fizz years. like Alka-Seltzer is going to be uh, pretty entertaining, and the snowflakes make for a good uh, copy every single day. So, Pat Buchanan, thank you for being with us. All right, when we come back, you're going to meet Rich Higgins, Vice President, Intelligence, National Security Programs, and we have... Uh, Well, there's issues involving how to deal with radical Islamists that may even be in the country. That's next. We have reaffirmed again and again that the United States is not and never will be at war with Islam. Islam teaches peace. Muslims the world over aspire to live with dignity and a sense of justice. And when it comes to America and Islam, there is no us and them. There is only us. The future must not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam. Ideologies are not defeated With guns, they're defeated by better ideas, a more attractive and more compelling vision. So the United States will continue to do our part by working with partners to counter ISIL's hateful propaganda, especially online. We'll constantly reaffirm through words and deeds that we will never be at war with Islam. Given the increasing diversity of America's populations, the dangers of sectarianism are greater than ever. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. We are no longer a Christian nation. 25 now till the top of the hour. Our toll-free telephone number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So there is a new president in town and keeping with his campaign promise on refugees and the extreme vetting of refugees, Donald Trump issued an executive order banning visas from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. And he also instructed the State Department to stop issuing visas to people from these seven countries. And it will halt, as well, the entire refugee program for 120 days while it is under review. And that would not apply to religious minorities that are escaping persecution. Anyway, the last year of which we have statistics, which is 2015, the U.S. State Department's annual country reports on terrorism released showed in 2015. Again, the last year we have full, complete statistics for there were 11,774 terrorist attacks in 92 countries, and which they say was a slight improvement from the year before. Really? Anyway, the number of terrorist kidnappings. Hostage takings increased uh, to more than 12,100, and that was just for the year 2015 alone. And uh, although the attacks took place in 92 countries, they were heavily concentrated geographically. More than 55% of all attacks took place in five countries, Iran, I'm sorry, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Nigeria, and uh, a lot of this is terror-related. The Islamic State and others were responsible for 39% of all of these attacks. Now, this president, in his inaugural address, said words that our former President Obama would not say, was reluctant to say, this mysterious reluctance, and that was radical Islamic terrorism. Anyway, joining us with a reaction to this and much more in the executive order today, Rich Higgins, Vice President, Intelligence, National Security Programs, former manager with the Department of Defense, combating terrorism, technical support, and irregular warfare support programs, in other words, covert ops, and also joining us as Qasem Rashid is with us, and he is the national spokesperson for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community USA, and uh, welcome both of you to the program. Rich Higgins, what do you think of the executive order today? Sean, it's a step in the right direction. I think we have a president, finally, who has a comprehensive grasp of the political nature of the threat that he's dealing with. You know, when he takes his oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, 
He's not looking at the theological, religious, spiritual side of Islam. He understands the difference between that and political Islam, which is an actual threat to the Constitution. And I think we see him already moving in a comprehensive fashion uh, to deal with the Defense Department, the Department of Homeland Security, you know, my contacts with General Kelly and General Mattis. They're all moving out in the right direction. I'm really, I'm really upbeat on what's happening. Well, if you look at it from the perspective is that the role of the president is first job is commander in chief. Uh, Qasem Rashid, let me ask you, do you have any problem with this executive order? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I think this executive order speaks to a lot of issues that are being unresolved. I mean, if the goal is to combat terrorism and extremism, the FBI has repeatedly reported that white supremacy terrorism is the greatest threat to America, not to mention... Name, name me the last the, example, except for this idiot that was recently convicted. Name me, the, name me the latest example of white supremacy versus radical Islamists. Uh, Sean, I can send you the FBI report. If you want to call the FBI no, I'm not, liar, that's... I, I, I'm, no, no, no. I, Mr. Rashid, Mr. Rashid, I'm asking you a question. How many... terrorism... Well, how many okay. times have you reported on white supremacy? Terrorism? Well, how many times? No. Okay, but my point is, when it does happen, when you have this idiot go in and, and shoot up innocent people in a church, thank God he's getting the death penalty, which he deserves. But my question to you is this. When we turn on the TV and another terrorist attack has taken place, either in the U.S., in Chattanooga, in uh, San Bernardino, in Orlando, or wherever in, in Europe it happens to take place, in Belgium, in France, in Paris, wherever, uh, I ask you, is it not 99% of the time radical Islamists? Well, according to the FBI, 80% of terrorist attacks... Okay, you're a broken record. You, 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 is there, su- well, is there a threat to... Is there a threat, is there a threat to every man, woman, and child in this country that is called radical Islam? I don't believe in alternative facts. I believe in honesty, and the honesty is I trust the FBI... All right, Mr. Rashid, I asked you a very simple question. Is there a threat? If you, look at, if you look at Chattanooga, San Bernardino, if you look at Orlando and you look at all of the terrorist attacks through Western Europe, and we have identified radical Islamic terrorism as responsible, I'm asking you a simple yes or no question. Is radical Islam a, a clear and present danger to the free world, yes or no? That's not even a fair question. What I'm telling you is that according to... You're wasting to my time, Mr. Agency, Mr. Rashid. You're wasting my look, time. Is it, is it a clear and present danger to the people, to, to the people of this country... And Western Europe, is radical Islam a clear and present danger, yes or no? Protect, if the president wants to protect America, the greatest clear and present danger to America is white supremacy terrorism. Okay, you've, I, I, all right, you, you've stated that now 15 times. Now I will ask the question one time, and if you don't answer it, I'm going to say goodbye to you. Is radical Islam a clear and present danger to America and Western Europe, yes or no, sir? I don't think there's any such thing as radical Islam. There's Islam, and there are Muslims who happen to be extremists. Are those extremists a threat to everyone, including Muslims? United Mr. Rashid, in the name of your religion, you're a, Mu- you're a Muslim, are you not, sir? I'm a Muslim, probably, yes. I'm Muslim. In the name of your religion, how many, to- excuse me, how many times have we heard Allahu Akbar? used in a terrorist attack in in the name of your religion the hijacking of your religion and you don't have the courage the moral conviction to stand up and say that radical islam is a clear and present danger that is waging war on innocent men women and children sir you refuse to acknowledge that truth 
I, no, that's, that's a falsehood. You're, you're making up. That's a falsehood. The facts again. So it's what happened in Sa- so what happened in San Bernardino? What happened on nine eleven? What happened in well, Orlando? We, what happened in Chattanooga? Have, what happened in Fort Hood? How many times do you have to hear the, some terrorists saying "Allahu Akbar" before you acknowledge this simple, basic, fundamental threat? Sean, by that logic, George Bush, who said he was a Christian and that he was told by God to invade Iraq, where one million civilians innocently died. Is that radical Christian terrorism? Is the case Let me go to Rich Higgins because you, you, you cannot acknowledge a simple truth. Rich Higgins, you work for the Department of Defense. Uh, and who's right here, me or Mr. Rashid? Uh, Sean, you're, you're right in the sense that you understand that there is a, they're not doing the violence for no reason. The violence furthers their political objective. What Mr. Rashid would ask us to do is to turn to the quote-unquote moderate Islam the moderate Muslim Brotherhood is an example under the Obama administration, where they come in and they do just like Mr. Rashid is doing. They disum- they dissemble, they offer alternative facts. Look, we have 1,400 years of Islamic doctrine to study. We have past fear and, uh, and on and on. They're written in English. If the, if the listening audience wants to, go down to the local mosque bookstore and buy their doctrine. It's in the doctrine. You need to understand the difference between the spiritual Muslim and the political Muslim. And those political Muslims are here to make Islam supreme. We saw it with the imam's speech last week at the presidential inauguration, where he gets up there and he lays claim to, you know, claim. Well, let me let me get to this. Yeah, this was very mm-hmm. important. This was uh, at the interfaith service at the Washington National C- Cathedral, and uh, an imam read from the Quran. Did that verse not curse Christian and Jews? In other words, he recited the meaning of what is said that Jews incurred the wrath of Allah and that Christians went astray. And it's supported by all uh, authoritative uh, uh, st- uh, scholars of the Quran. Is that is that the interpretation? So, Sean, so thanks for asking. So, you know, he's not an imam, first of all. Second of all, that's the first chapter of the Quran. It doesn't mention Jews and Christians at all. The words simply don't even appear. This is simply the first chapter that tells Muslims, don't go astray. And it refers to Muslims who have gone astray as well and committed evil acts. The Quran then goes on to say that Jews and Christians who are righteous and believe in God and do good works, they will, in fact, attain paradise. They will attain do you, all right, here's my next question for you. Do you, condemn, do you condemn countries that are Muslim countries that practice Sharia, that don't allow women to drive, that tell women how to dress, that, are, that you can get the death penalty if you're gay or lesbian, and that persecute Christians and Jews and don't allow any religious tolerance, like in Saudi Arabia, do you contem- condemn Sharia? Do you condemn Sharia in a Sunni nation like, like Saudi Arabia and a Shia nation like Iran? Sean, the only thing I disagree with what you said is that, that they're practicing Islam and Sharia. I condemn those extremist organizations and those regimes. So, you, so let me hear you say you condemn, Iran, you condemn Iran as an authoritative state. You condemn Saudi Arabia. I have no problem condemning these political ideologies, these political governments. I'm asking you, do you, condemn the, do you condemn their treatment of women in both Absolutely. countries? Do you condemn, and you condemn yeah, their treatment of gays and lesbians? Absolutely, without a doubt. There's no hesitation there at all. And in fact, and I, you, you know, condemn their religious intolerance? Absolutely. In fact, my, my second book, Extremist, is a number one bestseller on Islam on Amazon. And I go and I tackle these extremist regimes and I dismantle them from the Quran to show that these terrorist regimes have no place in civilized society. And in fact, I would go one... All right, let me go back to Rich Higgins because he didn't get enough time. Rich, I want you to respond to all this. I think it's really important that when Mr. Rashid makes his arguments, he's making his arguments from an Islamic point of view. And those arguments need to be understood as such. My greatest concern right now 
is that because of Mr. Rashid's argument, we've made the deliberate decision to not know Islam. And we would be in a better position to, to, to come alongside Mr. Rashid's arguments and perhaps even in certain situations support them, provided we had our own level of understanding. The message that we get from the quote-unquote moderate Muslim community, all of which is Muslim Brotherhood informing our government, is that don't worry about it. It has nothing to do with Islam. That's not the real Islam. Well, that's nonsense, okay? This is Islamic doctrine for 1,400 years. The arguments against the violence are sound Islamic arguments against the violence. In some cases, we can use those arguments. But when we're prohibited from learning, incorporating, and utilizing their, their understanding of their own worldview, it's going to collapse our deliberate, deliberate decision-making process, and it's led us adrift for the past 15 years. That's how I've we got to leave it there. Are. I appreciate both of you being with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Final hour roundup is next. You do not want to miss it. And stay tuned for the final hour free-for-all on The Sean Hannity Show. All right, Sean Hannity Show, Washington, D.C. Our toll-free telephone number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get to our phones. We say hi to Seth is in Kalamazoo in Michigan. A lot of jobs going to be created in Michigan in the weeks and months and years ahead. What's up, Seth? How are you? Excellent. Thank you for taking my call, Sean. Yes, sir. I I just wanted to say, uh, you know, we heard through Donald Trump's whole campaign, one of his go-to slogans was all talk, no action. Isn't it refreshing, just fantastic to see a guy get in the White House, sit at the Oval Office, roll up his sleeves, and start working? You know, I've known him for a long time. And, I, look, I, I don't um, – I've known him long before he ever really contemplated ever running for president. And this is what I've known about him for a long time. He doesn't have a lot of patience if somebody's going to talk and talk and talk in a meeting. He just doesn't. I don't have that patience either, to be blunt. I don't do meetings. I refuse to tell me what you need to tell me now, and let's go. So I don't do meetings. I don't sit my staff down and say, okay, I want this, this. My staff is told to tell me right then and right there what's on their mind. Linda, for example, will say, boss, say it, boss, boss, I need your attention. Say it, Linda. Boss, boss. And the, boss, I need your attention. I need to talk to you. Right? Boss, so I, say, I need okay. your attention. I need you for a second. Or I say, break, break, break. Yeah, that too. Okay. So what do I always say? Tell me now. Tell me now. Now, when I, the only time I'd ever really get to talk to Donald Trump is midnight or 1 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. The guy works nonstop. Look, I'm sure the inauguration was important. It's a peaceful transfer of power. He was itching since the day he got elected to pull all this off. He's not going to be like your normal president. He's going to act like a CEO. Well, and I hope Congress, they better buckle up because this is this pace is going to keep going. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is also right after he got elected, all we hear is uh, you got to bring the party together. you got to be inclusive to our party with, from the Democratic side. And what does Obama do? We find out yesterday, last second, gives over $200 million to Palestine. What's that all about? Well, they're trying to stop that in Congress as well. I don't know if they're going to be able to at the end of the day, but I hope they are. And uh, my hope and my prayer for our country is that this pace continues. Look, I always like to say this. I like to come to this program every day with a sense of urgency. You know, every job is a service job. When I was a contractor for a decade of my life full-time, I served people. When I was working in the restaurant business, I was serving people. I serve people here. I have a sense of urgency that this country is in such a dangerous, precipitous decline that I want to 
I, I, I want to convey that urgency to you with the hope that we fix it. That's the idea. Now, knowing so, Donald Trump, I feel he has that same style of urgency that I do. I don't feel like sitting in some stupid meeting, you know, going over and agonizing, well, how's the press going to respond to this? They hate him. We know that. Let's move on. Let's fix the country. No doubt. Let's get to work. Uh, thanks for taking my All call right. again. Uh, thanks for everything you do. We need the truth from somebody. You bet. We'll come back. News Roundup is next. All right, sir. My name is Jeffrey. What is your name? They call me Big Joe. Big Joe. Yeah. I can see why. <laughs> Big Joe, what are you doing here today? I'm just passing through. I have nothing to do with this. This uh, whatever you want to call this. I don't. I don't even understand why they're having this. They had an inauguration yesterday, and now we have all this. What did Trump do for all of this to happen? He just got um, um, came into office. What is this? I see signs of unity and love and peace, and yet uh, at his inauguration, they were burning a McDonald's, a Starbucks, limousines, and anarchy in the streets. This is uh, what is this? When he was elected, rightfully, I mean, uh, by the majority of the country, that you know. So even though there are half the country like this that disapprove, what about the other half that do like him? What about them? What about their feelings? When, Trump, when Obama was president and he pushed his political agenda, political correctness, and he, um, he pushed all his agendas, did you see people doing all this? No, because we united behind our American president and we just we, we stuck it out and everything. The Grand Parenthood is a racist system. Margaret Sanger was a, a, a Grand Parenthood. You know what? Margaret Sanger thought very little low of black people. She thought they were ignorant and they shouldn't exist. And we produce. And you know what Planned Parenthood is about? Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is to sterilize black people. You cannot put down one. You should be against Planned Parenthood. We shouldn't be funding any type of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is a joke. And anyone that doesn't know their history, know your history about Margaret Sanger, the beginning of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is the most racist organization. You know your history about Planned Parenthood. Do you know about Planned Parenthood? Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger, the whole reason for Planned Parenthood was to sterilize black people so they wouldn't reproduce. This is the United States of America. You don't like, you say he's not your president, then you shouldn't be here. Leave. Many of the, um, um, those elitist Hollywood um, people that said they were going to leave, they didn't leave. They're protesting now. You don't like him, you don't want to be here, then leave. This is a free country. What you're doing now, you're going to bring anarchy, and then you know what's going to happen? Martial law. And you, these freedoms that you're talking about now, you're going to lose them. And then you're going to understand what real, what a real situation. You have people in this group who are socialists, who are, uh, are anti-American and anti-our freedom, and they're latching on, on your different causes, and they're playing on your emotions so that they can get you all riled up so that you can turn around and continue to do what you're doing and divide the country and then one and then bring about chaos and anarchy so that they can bring martial law that's what's really going on i know for a fact i've seen these socialists in your group i've seen them at rally david makes sense for you people and you don't understand what's going on you have to open your heart you better be smart wow what a powerful youtube video that has now in fact gone viral now, that was a guy, just all we know about him is his name is Big Joe, and that's what he calls himself, and that was at the Women's March over the weekend. And, of course, she was the birth control activist, sex educator, 
and uh, what he is saying about the foundation of what is Planned Parenthood today, that uh, she opened the first birth control clinic in the United States, led to her arrest, etc. But she founded this and uh, for the very reasons that Big Joe was talking about there that nobody ever talks about as it relates to Planned Parenthood. And why should we give them money? Anyway, we have that and other issues on the table today. Kevin Jackson is with us. News Roundup Information Overload from Washington, D.C. It's the Sean Hannity Show, our, our exclusive interview with the president tomorrow in the White House on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Kevin is the executive director of the Black Sphere, author of The Big Black Lie. Christy Setzer is with us. She's the president of New Heights Communication. Uh, Kevin, what's your reaction to Big Joe and how viral that has gone? I think it's phenomenal. You know, here's a guy, black guy, probably typecast, Sean, is a typical black Democrat, you know, dumb, too dumb to, to not vote Democrat. Girl stops him thinking, you know, he's, he's going to give her the, the party line. And it turns out he gives her the truth. And the truth is many blacks don't believe in what Barack Obama stands for. They certainly didn't believe in what I call the vagina head march and what it was all about. Well, now this was, was the let's let's blow up the White House march. Let's blow up the White House and a host of, of, of other anarchist ideas. And Joe was spot on. You know, look, the women have, have used and abused black people, and particularly Planned Parenthood, an organization that women claim it's for women's rights, you know, women's reproductive rights. And I've asked any woman that, that wants to have a conversation, what, can you not get any other things done by Planned Parenthood, done at the free clinic, done at uh, hospitals and other clinics? The answer is, of course they can. So this organization, uh, Sean, if it were, if Donald Trump were over the, were supporting this organization, you would know all about Margaret Sanger and her heinous history in hating black people, the Negro Project, where she wanted to exterminate blacks, where she called us human weeds. And let me tell you, if I ever get a national enough voice, I will make sure we shut that organization down 100% because it is the most racist, vile organization on the planet. It kills black babies at 300% the national average of other abortions by, by non-blacks, and nobody says a word. White women would come on and argue on behalf of this organization knowing how its founder felt about black people. It's a eugenicist movement, elitist white people trying to exterminate blacks. That's actually factually accurate. Christy, what is your reaction to that? Uh, my reaction is that Big Joe sounded a little unhinged. <laughs> all of that. Um, well, wait a minute. Do you, do you think that? Do you think? That, do you think? Yeah. Do you think that Ashley Judd sounded unhinged and Madonna talking about thinking seriously about blowing up the White House is that unhinged? If you think Big Joe's unhinged, let me play Madonna quickly and a little bit of uh, Ashley Judd. And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, f- you. It is the beginning of much-needed change. Change that will require sacrifice, people. Change that will require many of us to make different choices in our lives. But this is the hallmark of revolution. So, my question to you today is, are you ready? I said, are you ready? Say yes, we are ready. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot 
about blowing up the White House. I'm not nasty, like the combo of Trump and Pence being served up to me in my voting booth. I'm nasty like the battles my grandmothers fought to get me into that voting booth. I'm nasty like the fight for wage equality. Scarlett Johansson, why were the female actors paid less than half of what the male actors earned last year? See, even when we do go into higher paying jobs, our wages are still cut with blades sharpened by testosterone. Why is the work of a black woman and a Hispanic woman worth only 63 and 54 cents of a white man's privileged daughter. This is not a feminist myth. This is inequality. So we are not here to be debunked. We are here to be respected. We are here to be nasty. I'm nasty, like my blood stains on my bed sheets. We don't actually choose. All right, we just don't have yes. enough time. Is that on hinge, Christy? Uh, no, she made a lot of good points, but also she blowing up the whoa, 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 whoa. blowing up. I think about blowing up the White House is not unhinged, and the nasty blood in my sheets. You don't think that's a little nuts? Uh, I don't think she should have gone so far as to say that she. Do would you think blow that? Well, White you House. said Joe is unhinged. Joe was talking about Margaret Sanger who referred to blacks, immigrants, and indigents as human weeds, quote, reckless breeders, quote, spawning human beings who never should have been born. That's Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. (laughs) I mean, he just did. Is that funny to you? Is that funny? Is that funny what Margaret Sanger said? I I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's funny that the video has gone viral because apparently it speaks to, you know, to something that he is. Uh, so you're going to defend no, Margaret Sanger's it, it, position it on eugenics, real, and you, you're going to reality, Sean, of black, of white women like Christy who don't give a crap about black babies. The same way they don't give a crap about black being, be, people being killed on the street. That march had so few black women. If that had been a Tea Party march, all you'd hear about is the, the least number of black people that showed up at it. They were spectacles, anecdotes. And exactly the way Christie is so flippantly blowing off Planned Parenthood and its actual origins, because she knows if she says it, she'll have to really believe it, because it's a fact. I'm, I said nothing of the sort, but I do know that 96% of black women voted for Hillary, and I do know that black women were in, um, integrated very well into the organizing of the march. That yes, it was started by white women, and they were very quickly called out for the fact that, you know, we can't have a movement that is so white. It needs to be all of us. And, uh, and that's then why, then why, the then why, wait a minute, then why are you supporting a group? I mean, Planned Parenthood was such a big part of the march. And the founder of Planned Parenthood, I'll repeat it, talked about blacks, immigrants and indigents as human weeds, reckless breeders, uh, spawning human beings who never should have been born. That's abhorrent. I, I think that's absolutely reprehensible, but that's not the organization. She also talked today. about racial no. purification. Couples should be rewarded uh, who choose sterilization, she said. I, again, I, I think that that is absolutely disgusting, but I would, uh, you know, dare you to find me anybody at Planned Parenthood today or in the last 50 years that believes that. Uh, everybody, everybody at Planned Parenthood believes that. Planned Parenthood kills black everybody people. Everybody at Planned Parenthood believes that? Organiza- really? Really, Planned Parenthood puts its organizations near or in black neighborhoods or near black neighborhoods, minority neighborhoods. There's, I guarantee you where you live, there's no Planned Parenthood around you, and you probably wouldn't know how to get there. 
That is absolutely false. I know exactly where the Planned Parenthood is. Have abortions at 300 percent the rate of normal other, of other women, and then you question what their, what their motive is? So years ago, I worked at Planned Parenthood. At the time, there were 800 affiliates across the country, or maybe more, something like that, which of course means that they're in cities and they're in rural areas, and they're in lots of places where they haven't had to fight the state um, in order to get, you know, where the state hasn't successfully shut them down. But why would you find them in potentially more minority neighborhoods? Because they're more populous All right, both of you stay right there. We'll come back and uh, we'll pick it up where we left off here. Then we're going to get to your phone calls. Final half hour of the program today. Still waiting to fly out all those libs who promised to leave if Trump were elected. The jet is ready. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue, the Sean Hannity Show back in Washington, D.C. Don't forget tomorrow night, Hannity in the White House with our exclusive interview with Donald Trump, the new president of the United States. Tonight we have Reince Priebus. We'll be back in the White House again tonight. We continue with Kevin Jackson and Christy Setzer is with us. And uh, we're discussing, obviously, the big march on Washington. What is it you fear about Donald Trump, Christy? I fear a lot of things that have already come to pass. I, I fear a president and an administration that feels that they can get up in front of the American people and blatantly lie, whether it's about something as small as his crowd size or something as big as, I don't know, how many... And did Obama Obama lie to us when he said that um, we're going to keep our doctor's plans and the average family will save $2,500 a year when, in fact, the average family saw over a $5,400 increase in their premiums? very, very, very different than telling me that the sky is green when I know that it's blue, which is what uh, (laughs) Donald Trump did on Saturday. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they... so that's your big concern about that's your biggest concern about Donald Trump, that he has a disagreement about the size of the crowd at the inauguration. That's how shallow you are. Look, look, no. Crowd size itself is kind of a silly argument. I think we can all agree that. But okay, so then what is your so let's talk about substantive fears that you have about Donald Trump being president. What is it? What is my what is my biggest fear? Uh, that yeah, what's your biggest fear? To an autocratic society that where he is like sort of a dictator, that we lose freedom of the press, that we lose freedom of speech, that people stop speaking mm-hmm. out like that. Anyone, did anyone stop you from being part of this silly march on Saturday or pe- women dressed up as women genitalia? Did anyone stop that? Did anyone stop that march? No, I and mean, they couldn't have. No. Uh, I, and I it, mean, okay, and so freedom so freedom of speech continues. The press attacks him every day. Has anyone attacked the press for attacking him? Are they still free to do what they want? We'll see. We'll see. As I said, yeah. no, I'm asking. He's right? been president now five days. Has that happened? Is it? Does it look like it's going to happen? I don't think that he expected that people would sort of rise up in opposition to him in the way that they it did. happened to him his whole campaign. Yeah. Listen, Sean, let, me ju- let me jump in here real quick. First of all, let's talk about freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is a reason why Donald Trump got elected. And it was because it was suppressed by so many people who were going to vote for Trump. People who got their butts kicked because they wore a Trump hat or a Trump shirt or put a Trump bumper sticker on their car. You could have Hillary signs all over the place. You wear something for Trump, you were asking for trouble. And the reason why he got elected, that undercurrent of people who felt like they couldn't speak out in this country any longer because of people like Barack Obama and your ilk, the people that claim to be tolerant, who do nothing except shut down any other side of an argument where we where we force you guys to, to have logic or to give me a reasonable response about anything. That's the freedom of speech that's come back into this country. 
And what we've done, what Donald Trump is doing with the press right now is he's shutting these suckers down and he's saying, you know what, nobody pays attention to you anymore. And hopefully, I hope and pray on, Sean, many of the millions of people listening to your program will hear me on this. I hope they start speaking out. The, the best thing that happened when I was in D.C. was watching the, the multitude of people who wore proudly their Trump gear, who finally said, you know what, we get to seek out again in America. We get to say Black Lives Matter is BS. All lives matter means more. And a host of other things. And by the way, men have a role to play in the roles of their children. They are just as important as women. And if we, weren't, we aren't going to walk around with penises on our heads to prove it. All right, we got to leave right there. Leave it right there when we come back final half hour of the program today hannity tonight 10 eastern on the fox news channel from the new white house of donald trump who are these democrats it is my judgment dinesh d'souza was sentenced on tuesday to spend eight months in a confinement center it all began when the obama administration tried to shut me up no gang's all about stealing man what did i learn all crime is about stealing. The big criminals are still at large. Didn't uh, see any reason to keep them. The system doesn't go after them. Because they run the system. It's time to go behind the curtain and discover the soul of the Democratic Party. The Democrats support slaves. This Civil Rights Act will allow colored men to sit at the same table beside the white guests. Why has all this been swept under the rug? To cover the tracks of the Democratic Party. And we're not even talking about ancient history. The racism continued well into the 20th century. The Democrats went from slavery to enslavement. Corrupt big city bosses, that's how you get corrupt unions. What does progressive actually mean? Social engineering and social control. The opening video of the Democratic Convention in 2012, government is the one thing we all belong to. No, government belongs to us. We don't belong to it. What are these Democrats hiding? This is about buying and selling influence by foreign oligarchs and foreign governments. When you follow the money, there are very, very few coincidences. What if the goal of the Democratic Party is to steal the most valuable thing the world has ever produced? What if their plan is to steal America? All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. We're going to get to your calls in just a minute. I want to give a shout-out today. Our friend Dinesh D'Souza, who created Hillary's America, he's now been nominated for five, count them, five Razzie Awards. Now, that is an award ceremony supposedly to recognize the worst in film. And Dinesh D'Souza is extremely proud of it, and we're proud of him for, for achieving this great accomplishment. I actually, you know, the fact that they hate you that much is awesome. I think it's great. Uh, Sean, I completely agree. Look, if I had gotten an Oscar, I would have to be embarrassed because I'd have to say that these guys obviously consider me one of them. But the fact that they're nominating me for all these worst acting, worst movie, worst director awards, uh, I think it's a sign that they have still not gotten over Trump's election. Uh, they seem to believe the movie played a role in helping that bring that about. Uh, and so I will just take a very happy bow. I would look at it as a source of great, great pride. You know, it's funny. Your movie is actually on in hotels. I've been able I was able to rent it before the election. 
And uh, I watched it, and I was very entertained by it. And I thought you did a great job chronicling that which the media would never do. So, you know, the fact that they hate you means that I like you a little bit more. Well, I think the movie is fun to watch now because, in a sense, the danger has been averted. It was kind of a horror movie at the time, a nightmare that could actually come true. But now that we are not going to be living in Hillary's America, you, you know, you can actually watch the movie, learn from it, and enjoy it. Yeah, well, that's true. And say, thank God. You know, uh, Newt Gingrich said last night on the TV show, you know, there's going to be times where we get mad, I guess, at Donald Trump, the new president, or disagree with the new president. But he goes, whenever that happens, maybe you don't like a tweet he sends out or something. Just think in your mind what it would be like this week if she were the president. And that's a pretty frightening thought. But anyway, I wanted to give you a shout out and give you a hello and congratulations. And uh, I hope you get all five of them. And if you do, you know, I think <laughs> well, it would be awesome. You are you gonna Are you gonna go to the ceremony? By the way, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I am, but I'll, I'll tell you this: I'm, I've been nominated as best actor, and this is particularly a worst actor, and this is particularly shocking, Sean, because I'm playing myself. I would have thought I'd be the world's expert at playing me, but evidently, I'm doing a horrible job at being Dinesh. That's hilarious. All right, Dinesh D'Souza, congratulations. Uh, appreciate you being with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, is it L or Ellie in Fort Worth, Texas? What's up? How are you? You're on The Answer, AM 660. What's going on? It's it's L. So, you hey, know, if you, psycho, if you psychoanalyze these marching feminists, deep down, it's just an issue of just feeling inferior. You know, these are women who weren't validated as little girls, weren't validated as young ladies. So they carry this cross throughout their lives, and whenever they get a feeling of, of being transported back to that childhood feeling, you know, they just, red alarms go off, and they start spewing this divisive hate, and hate at the end of the day is just a manifestation of a past hurt. You know, I don't know what it is. I think a lot of it for a lot of them comes down to the issue of abortion. I really do. And I think it's sort of been an indoctrination in people's minds um, if you look at the tr the moves that Trump is making now, next week, we're going to get the Supreme Court choice of Donald Trump, an originalist, as he promised during the campaign. And uh, I think their greatest fear is ab abortion. The abortion does not go away if Roe goes away. Number one. Mm -hmm. Number two. I mean, do you think states like New York, California, Illinois are going to get rid of abortion? You think most blue states are going to do? I don't think so. And uh, so I think it's a hyperventilating fear and. You know, but you can't confer rights upon people that are not constitutionally given. Well, but and, I think uh, it's not just about that, though. It's more of gender, gender inequality. So if they're claiming gender inequality, okay, have them go to Afghanistan and live there in towns where they don't even have gynecologists. That's gender inequality. Have them go to El Salvador, where women aren't even protected by police. That's gender inequality. They have the highest murder rate in the world. Go to Somalia, where little female babies, uh, young girls, even female adults, are mutilated. Well, I mean, you know, one of the life. things I tried to point out, what great hypocrisy that exists out there. Now, think about this. Hillary Clinton taking money from all these countries that literally persecute women abuse women where women have no rights and she took millions where gays and lesbians are killed you know over over the years gay and lesbian groups have have attacked me and i'm like i'm not your enemy i don't i do not care what you do it's none of my business 
And you know what? I have more important things in my life to think about than your sex life. I really do. And I don't care. And it's Sean Hannity that says, excuse me, innocent people are being killed for no reason under Sharia. Gays and lesbians are being thrown off roofs and murdered and slaughtered, uh, just like Christians and Jews are being persecuted and women are being persecuted. And I, I never hear Hillary takes money from these countries. Sean Hannity would never take a penny from them ever because of their treatment of women, gays, lesbians, Christians and Jews ever. I don't wouldn't take a dime from them. It's it's deep hypocrisy, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, just uh, thank you for taking my call today, Sean. All right. We appreciate it. Thank you, Al. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, Mark is in Massachusetts. Mark, hi. How are you? Glad you called and welcome to our nation's capital. I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. And, Sean, why I'm calling is uh, regarding the wall. I'm a, a small business owner in Massachusetts, but I would gladly leave my office for a week and donate my time to helping build the wall, whether it be a laborer or do whatever needed to get done. But moreover, I think hundreds of thousands of people, men and women, would do the same, and the cost of the wall would come down significantly. Listen, I, we're going to have people donating to build the wall. The best part about that is he doesn't have to ask anybody for permission. This is now well, done. Permission, but to, you want to help and assist. Listen, I think, you know, I, I, maybe I'm old fashioned, but, you know, why can't we put prisoners that are nonviolent at the wall and maybe give them a shorter prison term if they're willing to work on it and let, let contractors guide them in how to do it? And they can work and and maybe learn a new skill and have something to do with their day that's productive. And uh, maybe you take 10 percent, 15 percent of their prison term off nonviolent offenders. Why not? That know, I think that would be a good idea. But, but, Save the you know, taxpayer money. The people that, uh, you know, that would, uh, would, would love to get involved, even if it means, uh, you know, uh, digging trenches. At least, uh, you know, I think this movement is more than people make it out to be. And the left, the left is going loony right now. And I think uh, a million people who could be, uh, could, could, would, would, would donate if, people, if asked to sign up to donate anywhere from two days to a week to contribute to uh, helping with the wall. I think it's just a matter of pride and principle and to show what, uh, what people are willing to do. Uh, I agree, and I don't think it's a bad idea that people want to sign up. Look, anything that we can do to reduce the cost, now I'm sure if we said, all right, let prisoners get a reduction at their sentence, here's the best part. Let them choose to want to work. In other words, they do it of their own free will. And if they decide to work and they get X percentage of their their sentence taken off again nonviolent offenders of course we need security there and uh, if enough of them want to work and maybe learn a new craft or a new trade or you know learn a good work ethic and you know maybe it'd be helpful for them they develop some skills interpersonal skills that could help them when they get out of jail and and get back into uh, society i don't know if i if i was in a jail cell all day and i had an option to go out and work i'd work in a heartbeat i think that'd be so much fun uh, anyway, appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. Let's go to, is it, Marty is in Smith's Grove, Kentucky. What's up, Marty? How are you? Hey, Sean. I'm very good. Thank you. And, and I have to start by saying thank you to our neighbors in Tennessee for taking in Ashley Judd. They took one for the team when she left Kentucky. So uh, thank you to them. But I uh, wanted to share with you our experience over the weekend. My wife and I took our three daughters 
were 9, 12, and 15 to the inauguration and inadvertently to the uh, feminist march uh, on Saturday and uh, got to really see firsthand what was going on in both places, got to interact with a lot of people at both events, um, got to uh, see and hear and in some cases even even smell uh, the people that were at these events. Wow. And um, after it was all over, um, I just simply asked my daughters, you know, which which of these groups you you had, we also attended the celebration at the Lincoln Memorial on Thursday. Right. Uh, right. So Toby Keith and got? Lee Greenwood. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. We wish you had been there. But um, it, uh, it it was. A I great wish I could have been there. I had to work. Yeah, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> well, I'll be honest, Sean. You know, after hearing about the protesters that were coming to Washington, my wife and I even contemplated whether we should go. And we said, you know what? This will be a good experience for our daughters to see firsthand um, what uh, liberals <laughs> look like up close and, and, and what conservatives look like up close. And uh, I have to thank. What, what did they March. say? Give me the final takeaway from them. Uh, my daughters uh, responded that they very much identified more with the group that was at the inauguration. They they felt um, out of the out of the mouth of my nine year old uh, that the group on Saturday at the march was disrespectful. They were, to quote the the ladies, they were nasty. I'll give them credit for that. They were angry. They were vulgar. They in some cases cursed us and others for wearing the American flag. Um, and at the end of the day, we're just uh, they were very repulsive. And, and all of my daughters very much felt like they um, would. Much well, let me be, let me say this, because I, I know yeah. some parents may be saying I would never take my son or daughter to that. I, I tend to agree with your style of parenting. And that is, you know, you take them, let them let them see reality and truth and make their own decision, because any kid with any any ounce of common sense is going to see a, a huge difference And they've got to realize now that there are people that are absolutely out of their minds and there's good and there's people that are nuts and uh, crazy people and there's evil in the world and life is hard. And I believe in all of those life lessons. And I think you gave your kids an opportunity to choose and likely because of your great influence and parenting, they chose the right way. So I applaud you a lot. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate it. Uh, Chris in Michigan. What's up, Chris? Chris, how are you? Good afternoon, sir. It's an honor to talk to you. Uh, what I was thinking about was the wall that, or excuse me, not the wall, the pipeline. And what I would like to see in the renegotiations would be President-elect Trump come through with the uh, in the renegotiations of having a double thick wall. So, for instance, the pipeline and then have the protective outer side where they can monitor if there was a leak. We all know that, you know, occasionally there is a leak. And I would like to see that for safety measures. Look, I think this wall is going to be real. It's going to be strong. It's going to be big. It's going to prevent people from coming in. I also believe and take Trump at his word, the president, that he is going to have a door and that he's going to support legal immigration. And if people as long as we can vet people, I mean, the danger of having open borders, what is our biggest danger? If you really think through it, the danger is, is that people that want to bring harm to American cities and towns and and the people of this country, well, they can cross that border as easily as somebody that's coming here because they want opportunity and they want a job. And and that is the great danger. So it is progress. It's another promise kept. And it's refreshing to see a little shock and awe in our nation's capital. And to be here witnessing it is fun. By the way, we'll be interviewing President Trump tomorrow. And it'll be on Hannity 10 Eastern tomorrow night. A daily heat-seeking missile of information that you won't get anywhere else. Hannity's on now.
All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight will be back at the Trump White House tonight with Reince Priebus, also Newt Gingrich, and much more. It's all coming up 10 Eastern. Hannity, set your DVR, Fox News Channel. Programming reminder, we will interview the new president, Donald Trump, tomorrow. That will air on the Fox News Channel. Quick break from Washington for today. We'll see you tonight at 10 from our nation's capital in the White House. And back here tomorrow, as always, thank you for being with us. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.